I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Kate. This is Mike. We have a really juicy, wonderful conversation with you today for you. Well, sort of what with did you. you. Just say? I said we have a really juicy, wonderful conversation with you today. Oh, with you. But it's for you with our friend Sarah Jenks. And Sarah Jenks is uh, one of my very best friends. She's one of the few people I talk to on the phone. For anybody who knows me, it's hard to get me to talk on the phone. But Sarah can do it because <laughs> she is a mother to three rambunctious small humans. Her second daughter and our first daughter were born within a few weeks of each other. She is a life coach, emotional eating expert, and sacred space holder, and also the proprietress of Hawthorne Farm, which is a 23-acre farm and retreat center in Medfield, Mass. And she's going to tell us the story in the episode about how she really called that in. It's a really powerful story. She's the founder of Whole Woman, which is an online membership program for women seeking the answers to the questions, who am I and why am I here? And also Live More Way Less, the most popular online emotional eating program. Since 2009, her community of women has been seeking a more meaningful life and it has grown to almost 100,000 people. So that's Sarah. She's been featured in Martha Stewart, Forbes, Health, Glamour, Red Book, the Boston Globe, etc. She's a powerhouse. And now on the Kate and Mike show. Also, she has been featured on the Kate and Mike show. <clears throat> yep. So what did we talk about in this episode? We talked about how she went about kind of navigating this, as Kate just mentioned, finding this dream house of hers. And we were, we were kind of part of the, the story along this. I remember back when they were looking at buying it, et cetera, we were visiting them in Boston and that was fun. Uh, we also covered her business and kind of how that's navigated and changed over the past couple of years. And not only that, but actually how she was the, her husband, Jonathan, who I'm friends with, was going to urology, urology, urology school, residency, and she, residency, and she was, uh, you know, the sole breadwinner basically for the house and what that was like for her. With two kids under two. With two kids under two in San Francisco. And then once they moved to Boston, he started working, you know, actually he was done with school finally. And then now he's working and how that dynamic has shifted in their own house and in Sarah's um role or what her intentions were now as a mom like redoing it's almost like kind of i don't want to say redoing motherhood but it's that's not really the right term but well, she's really reclaimed motherhood yes. on her own terms and and she's somebody that i am very inspired by um she's also the reason origin got created it was based on a phone call that sarah and i had so that's yeah yeah it was cool very and cool. so she's a, been a really good friend and part of our life she's been one of my clients that i've worked with I, and she's gave me a great testimonial on the website that i helped kind of restreamline her business and that was last year at the end of last year so yeah it's been it's been great i was really happy to have that conversation with her it's pretty cool yeah and we talked about her membership and what that's all about which is called whole woman and I believe the doors to Whole Woman are open right now. So she'll talk about that in the episode. Enjoy. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Kate and Mike. How are you guys? Hi, Sarah. Good. good. We're so good. Thanks for being here. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. This is so fun. It is so fun. As much as I love having guests who I don't know on the podcast, which we are doing more and more of, 
it's like really fun to have our friends on because we're just, it's like where you get to catch up and it happens to be for business. And it's I know. The <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so thank you for being here. Of course. It'll be like just recording one of our many phone conversations. It'll be perfect. Exactly. But like nobody with Mike. Ha- and with, with Mike. Mike. I mean, you're basically there half the time anyway. Yeah. No. Even if you're like in the kitchen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like chiming in. Tell her. <laughs> Tell, Tell her to not do yeah. that. <laughs> Tell Sarah to stop doing so much. Yeah. <laughs> so a little insider track for our listeners is that basically origin and this whole do less thing came from talking to Sarah on the phone. I remember exactly where I was. I remember exactly where I was too. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's crazy. We were talking, having this one particular conversation. Do you remember? Do you want to tell the story? Well, I, you start it and then I'll chime in. Well, we were just talking about how we have very different mothers. Right. Obviously. <laughs> but but um, like my mom worked all the time and wasn't able to be home much. And you just- And my mom was home. Right. And then we have the same problems. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sarah and I have like the same- Same but opposite. Same but opposite problems around feeling like, like I always felt like, I needed to sort of prove my worth and like be more present in my business and with my kids because of the way my mom was, but you sort of had the same thing, even though your mom was totally different. So it really showed me like, maybe this is not about our mothers. Maybe this is about society and we need to approach things in a new way. Exactly. Uh, And then you were talking about like, can you fill in? Yeah. So then I remember saying, okay, Kate, this is what I need. I need a program where I don't have to feel crazy for (laughs) being a working mom. And because I felt like the models that were presented to me were so black and white, I was either going to be absolutely crazy in my work or I could quit my job and feel absolutely crazy at home. And these didn't feel like great options to me. And I remember saying, I just need a feminine way that feels spiritual, that I can figure out how to actually do work in motherhood. And you said, oh, well, that's great because I was going to do this like tiny little one week program on that. And I know exactly how to do that by working with the cycles. Oh, maybe I'll just make that like a bigger thing. And I'm like, yes, I need it. I yeah. need it. And you were the prototype. Yeah, I was, I was so grateful to be the poster person. child. Yes, thank, thank you. And yes. the fit model. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> totally, actually. I was the fit model for the program. But what was so helpful is I remember later, it was probably, it was when you were doing the beta program. And I was at, I was in my process of really not knowing who I was and feeling so confused. And you said, where are you in your cycle? And I told you, I don't remember where I was, but you said, wait till you're bleeding to make any sort of decisions. And that was really wild for me to just not do anything. I think it was like three weeks away. So don't do anything until you're bleeding. Well, it's really the bleeding time is the time to reflect, to research, to your, your hemispheres. To uncover uncover the truth. I was directionless, right. I was pushing so hard to try to uncover the truth and I waited and I remember I just, I started bleeding. I took a bath and it took like 10 minutes 
for me to figure out what I wanted to do. And that's when I launched home, which was my, my first three day retreat that I was doing at my new house outside of Boston. I have a, I own a retreat center here and it was the whole, I launched the whole thing in a month and it was so helpful, you know, to understand the process of working with my cycle for work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you had pushed through and tried to figure it out, you would have spent those whole three weeks being frustrated. Right. And you would have still gotten the information in 10 minutes when you started. Exactly. Yeah. And I probably would have been so tired. It would have taken me so long to launch it. Exactly. Yeah. And then, yeah. So anyway, I'm so glad you listened. Thank you. And thank you for being my poster child for that Um, model. So, (laughs) so, okay. So you've recently moved. I mean, it's a year ago. Yeah. But can you just tell the story of how, like, I mean, the encapsulated version of the story, basically, from when you got married, because it's pretty intense. Yes. So people understand where you're coming from. Yeah. So before I got married, I lived in New York, and I had what I call a therapy model of business. So I was- What year was this? 2011. I got married in June of 2011. So before that, I was seeing health coaching clients in person. I was an emotional eating expert for brides. And I had a pretty full practice. And then Jonathan and I got married. And the next day, we moved to San Francisco because he started his urology residency, which is a six-year surgical residency program. Super intense. So I left all of my in-person clients. And we showed up in San Francisco, which is a very expensive city. And Jonathan is making very little money. And so I'm looking at my options, which was basically, if I want to have any sort of life, I have to really make a a fair amount of money. So that's when, and I knew that I didn't want to see people in person anymore because I had a feeling that we would move back to the East Coast after residency. So I created this program called Live More Way Less, which is an emotional eating program. And it was sort of slow to get off the ground and then kind of hit in a great way. And then I had my son, Marshall, in 2014. And it was in the middle of Jonathan's third year of residency. and He was literally working 90 hours a week. So it was the situation where he would only see Marshall on the weekends, just gone before he woke up home after he went to sleep. I was alone and totally miserable. It was super hard. And when Marshall was nine months, I got pregnant again. And so now we're looking at needing to move and, you know, Jonathan's still working around the clock. And so I'm now, And now I'm tired. So I'm hiring all these people in my business to basically do what I I can't do anymore because I have two small children. And now I'm paying for a full-time nanny. And we're in a three-bedroom apartment in San Francisco. And the whole thing just got really super out of control, to be honest with you guys. And Jonathan did have one year of research, which was really great because I was in like a pretty bad postpartum depression after both babies, but again, after Annabelle. And then he went back to finish his final year of residency. And it was just basically impossible, you know, to parent two 
kids under two and support us at the same time. So thank God that's over now. (laughs) But basically in that last year, we were having a really hard time in our marriage and I was sort of over live more way less. And I knew it was time for something else. And so I worked with this really great woman, Katina Mercadante. She really helped me uncover my big purpose in the world and why I'm here. And I wrote this 15 page document about, I love how I call it a document. I mean, it was like <laughs> journal. It was a journal exercise, <laughs> but felt like a big document. And big um, it was a big deal. And I said, in five years, I want to own a lot of land outside of Boston where I can gather women and really introduce them to the divine feminine and help them understand who they are and take space for themselves and do a lot of this priestess work that I had been training in while I was in San Francisco. Because, you know, in San Francisco, all this stuff is sort of everywhere. And it's not so much like that in New England, actually a lot more so than I anticipated. But, and, and then we were looking on Trulia, finding like small colonials at the end of a cul-de-sac. You know, we were just going to do a starter house. I was like, well, maybe this will be the time that I'm actually home with my kids because that was like a whole back and forth thing that we can totally talk about. That's not happening because it was not my truth. Um, but two weeks later, after I wrote this document online, we saw this house that literally had every single thing I wrote about on this piece of paper. And, you know, down to, you know, I wanted to have woods where like women could dance under the full moon. I wanted to have big open fields where women could be here in circle. I imagined building a yurt. If I had enough land, I wanted a stream. I wanted a log windy driveway with trees. I wrote all this stuff down and we're just going through the pictures and I'm crying and Jonathan's jaw is on the floor. And he's just looking at me like, how did you do this so quickly? And so... Well, then we then we found out that the house was owned by my high school therapist. So because it was it's about five miles from where I grew up and in a totally different town, and I didn't remember that. So I came here, and it was just really clear that this was super crazy magic because there was a round building on the property that was way better than a yurt, and there aren't many yurts in Massachusetts. So it was just sort of funny. That's going to be unbeatable for the podcast. There aren't (laughs) many yurts. (laughs) There aren't. (laughs) Um, So it was funny that I had that on my list. What did you say? It gets cold. It gets cold. Yeah. So this is like an actual building that we can be in all four seasons, which is nice. (laughs) But it just felt like, you know, it was such a big responsibility. And then I went back and I really waffled, you know, I mean, you guys were part of this whole process, you know, it was way more than our budget. The negotiation process was tough. I was being told by people who are really close to me that it's a really bad idea and that it's too much money and it's too much work. And that is all true. And um, (laughs) we said that. Yeah, you said that, but you, you did, but Kate did it. (laughs) Well, from a number standpoint, from a number standpoint. Yes. Yes, totally. From the emotional state of like, Right. You know, you have to, you do things, right? There's, there's times to make those decisions where it's like very like, oh, this is a really bad decision. And right. So is it a financial it. decision or was yes. it an emotional decision? Correct. And I made the emotional decision yeah. and it was really because I had this pack of women who could see the magic in this whole process and they could mm-hmm. see me in my highest good and could leave sort of the reasoning out of it. 
And also during that time period, I was so regimented about my rituals and about doing my morning routine and having so much magic and just spirituality in my life then. And it just really helped me remember who I am for real. And so we ended up after a lot of like back and forth and turmoil, we moved here last August and I was really worried that no one was going to show up or be into doing a full moon circle and women's circles and all the stuff that I was teaching here. And my first full moon circle, we had 70 women show up, which was like 15 more than we could actually fit in the room. So we were, you know, hip to hip sitting on laps, like really packed in. And it's been like that ever since every time I do something, the women come out and it's all different ages. And so many people told me, you know, people are going to think you're so weird the divine feminine is like not back in new England and that they could just not be more wrong. It's been awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Thanks. I'll, I'll to, I admit that I was wrong by the way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, My parents have said the same thing. They're like, we were uh, wrong. You're doing yeah. Wrong. Cause I have been there, you know, we, I've been to your house and stayed in this little place and for two people that over here that run events a lot, finding event space, number one, is a pain in the butt. Yeah. You know? And so the fact that you have this built into what you're doing now, it makes, you know, it's, it can be a much more, also there's a business effect, a write-off that comes into this from a tax perspective. Right. And uh, which is huge. So it's, yeah, it makes, uh, yeah, I wish we had an event space on our property. That was actually a dream of mine to create that too. Remember we talked about that with the house that was down the street, but anyway, go ahead. I know you're going to say something. I don't remember that. The Yarmouth place that had the farm, the nine acres that we were looking yes. at, and it had this barn yes. on it that you could convert into. Yeah. It was a much yeah. more similar property yeah. to you guys. Yeah. Instead, we went for the cul-de-sac because <laughs> we love that our daughter can just like run outside and be uber social, which she is. But totally. no, and when I'm there, I, I so get that because we miss that. Being but it's great because we can off. come see you at your place and you can come see us. Okay. Now I want to know a little bit more about your own process. You know, it's very common to start a business and then for that business to evolve. It's quite rare that somebody puts up their site and it's like 10 years later, they're doing the same thing they were doing when right. they first started. And you've gone through several iterations, really, starting from an emotional eating coach for brides mm -hmm. to live more, way less, and now to what you're doing. So can you talk a little bit about that journey and also in there, you know, how you have allowed yourself, given yourself permission to transform publicly? Right. Yeah. So that was the that was the hardest thing for me. So live more, way less was a really huge success. And part of it, I attribute to the fact that I would do all these photo shoots with really great clothes that I wasn't necessarily wearing in my regular life. You know, I would borrow my friend's convertible for shoots. I did not own a convertible. You know, so there was a lot of the program itself was incredibly authentic, but I felt like the face I was putting to the outside world was a bit of a performance. And this was so a reflection of how I felt I needed to be also in my social interactions where, you know, I grew up getting made, made fun of on the playground. And so 
my whole system was geared towards being accepted and fitting in because I didn't want to be made fun of. And I know this is a struggle for most women. It doesn't have to necessarily be because you were bullied on the playground for being overweight. That was just my story. But I, I just noticed I was so exhausted from being someone I wasn't all the time that that was the main thing that was contributing to my emotional eating, where at the end of the day, I was so tired and so drained, but also felt so bad that I sort of had this like dual personality that I would just eat. I'd come home and eat from just like stress relief and being tired, even when I was doing this emotional eating program. So I knew that I had to work through this. And that was really how I found the 13 Moon Mystery School, which is a priestess initiation, which works with female archetypes, feminine archetypes, and moon cycles and seasonal cycles. And it bring it brings all the spiritual, all these spiritual ideas together. And it's really how I developed the courage to be myself, you know, with my friends, with my family, and online, because I was worried that people were going to think I was super weird for now talking about spirituality, stuff that I had been doing behind the scenes for years. I was worried that my family was going to think I was weird. I was worried that the people I graduated from college was going to think I was weird. And I always did this thing where I would have my like normal friends and then I'd have my woo-woo friends and they didn't know about each other. And I was just like, it was really messed up. (laughs) So I'm tiring. (laughs) So I finally threw you know, through my work in terms of just understanding who I am, being okay with who I am and feeling supported by the divine, I just all of a sudden realized I had no choice. I just had to sort of like, let it all go and be who I was in the moment. And it was really refreshing because I didn't feel so tired all the time. And my audience from a business perspective was psyched because lo and behold, they want to learn about this stuff too. So I did a couple different sort of smaller programs for a while to test some things out. And I kept coming back to live more way less because I felt like being normal was tied to making money. And then finally, just last spring, I launched my Moonly membership called Whole Woman, which is for women who feel like They are performing in their lives, pretending to be someone they're not, or they're doing things for so many other people and nothing for themselves. And we all come together and we create a community where we're learning about how the divine feminine and the seasons and the moon support us and give us permission to be who we are and help us discover who we are, but also create that tribe that I had when this house showed up that said... I see you. I believe in you. Go do the crazy weird thing. And that's what we're doing for each other in the program because women want to quit their jobs or women want to get, you know, pregnant when it doesn't make sense or women want to, you know, move to Bali for six months or start a business when it's just not the smart thing to do. And everyone in their lives are saying, that's a dumb idea. But we can come into Whole Woman and say, do you really feel like this is in alignment with your truth? And they have the opportunity to go in and have a real yes. And then we can really rally behind them. And it's been really powerful 
to create this community that is looking outside of safety. We look a lot at sameness equals safety in our culture. And instead in Holman, we, we operate under the idea that we're all so different and isn't that awesome. And we're celebrating each other's differences instead of, you know, all this sameness and being accepted and fitting in and all that stuff. It's a really healing message. Um, two questions. Number one is, can you define, like, what when you say divine feminine, mm-hmm. what do you mean by that? Yeah, so it's so multifaceted from so many different cultures. It comes in many different faces. What we talk about in Whole Woman is this idea that the we live on Mother Earth, that Earth is a feminine energy of life-giving energy. And so what we do when we talk about the earth, we talk about the seasons a lot like you guys do in origin, but we also talk about the elements Mm. of earth, air, fire, and water, and how the earth needs all of those elements to have life. And we need all of those elements in our emotional system to have life. So we know from tarot that earth I'm going to make a couple jumps here, but it's basically like earth is like body. Air is like our work in the world. Fire is our soul, wild woman passion and water is emotional in our relationships. And so what we can use is we can use that knowledge base that we just see when we look out the window and understand that we need to be balanced as women, that we can't only mother and ignore all the other parts of ourselves. We can't only do work and ignore all the other parts of ourselves. And then beyond that, it's tuning into the cycles of the moon, tuning into the stars, and just understanding that we're part of this web of life. And we talk a lot about ritual and manifesting and all this stuff. And it's just understanding that there's this life-giving force that we all live in. And it's cyclical, much like you guys talk about in origin, it's cyclical and we're constantly, as women, we're constantly changing and it's not so linear like our masculine presence is in our life. And so it's more about, you know, we do a lot, we talk about integrating it because what can happen often is when you start talking about the divine feminine, people want to reject all their masculine parts, but those are so important. So with masculine energy, it's the structure, it's the holding, it's like, the structure of the house where the feminine energy is the music you're playing in the house, the food that you're making, the life you're bringing to it. And you need both because if you were just outside cooking and playing music, all the elements would come and you would die. You need to have a house. But if you just have a house that the feminine energy is just kind of boring. <laughs> does, that make, does that make sense, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, and then the second question can you expand on kind of what you talked about is that the same equals you, you were starting, you did this a little bit, but same equals safety. Yeah. Sameness equals safety. So there is, I feel like our culture sells to women because I think they sell to men too, but I'm going to talk about women. This idea that there's a one size fits all definition of happiness. So People sort of go back and forth, but one definition of happiness that I feel like I was sold was if I just have a husband and a couple kids and a house, I should be happy. And there's this idea that once women have that, all women will be fulfilled if they have that. So either we have that and we're looking around saying, 
crap, I'm not happy. What's wrong with me? And then we feel guilty for wanting more than what we is supposed to be the holy grail of happiness and the only, our only reason for being. And then we feel so, we feel so guilty and then we get resentful that we're not able to have more and then we feel guilty again for having more. Or we don't have those things and we feel so bad about ourselves. And we feel bad about ourselves because either we want it or we don't have it or we don't want it and we feel confused about why we don't want it or judged, constantly judged for that. And I think that this idea of one size fits all to happiness is a deliberate tool by the patriarchy to keep women in this constant cycle of resentment and guilt. Because if we're constantly feeling bad or taught to not talk about what we actually want, different from that one size fits all definition of happiness, that will be ostracized and will never raise, will never come up into power. So it's a distraction. So if we look at the moon as an example, different from the sun, you know, we know the sun goes through the zodiac over the course of a year and the sun is traditionally a masculine energy. The moon goes through the zodiac in 29 and a half days. So the moon, the feminine energy is constantly changing. The earth is constantly changing. There's so much biodiversity. So I believe that we are meant to be different, different from each other, but also different than we were three days ago, you know? And so we're allowed to change our mind. We're allowed to evolve. We're allowed to change. And I have found in my own life, when I understand that I am connected to the belief system of the moon, then I can give myself permission like, oh, of course we're all different. Of course we all want something different. And we must all, you know, oh, I just saw a huge spider. That's like, so then in the work we say, wow, that's really a sign. And so I really see the spider as the weaver dreamer. And so we're all meant to weave different webs and different tapestries. No one spider web is ever the same by each spider or by different ones. So I just think it's so important for us to just realize how we've been brainwashed to think that we're all supposed to want the same thing. I love that. Um, okay. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Yeah. I want to talk about how have you, now that you're not holding the ship for like the whole family, cause Jonathan's yeah. now working, how has that changed for you? Oh my God. Because it's you mentioned earlier today, <laughs> You mentioned earlier about, it's like, I just want to be, you know, it's like now I'm going to, and we've talked about this previously, but mentioned here in the call. So I feel like we can talk about, it. it's like, I'm going to be just be a stay at home and take care of, like be with the kids now. Mm-hmm. Jonathan's going to work. I'm going to chill out here. And then you're like, no, that's not my path or that's yeah. not my truth. So how has that happened? And then you just had a third baby. So like, what has happened now that you've moved to Massachusetts, you've fulfilled the dream of getting the place, running mm-hmm. these events. And then how's that will look differently now since he's gone back to work? Yeah. So I feel like when I had Marshall, what I thought was available to me was I was either going to be, I was either going to work and therefore be a bad mom, or I was going to be a stay at home mom and be really bad at my work. I feel like those are my two options. And this falls into the whole sameness equals safety situation where we're sold these like one or two options about how we can do life as a woman. And what I, so the work, you know, so I did a bunch of work just to understand that we can all be different. 
but there were, when we, when Jonathan was in residency, I had real life pressures around needing to make money. And so I didn't have a lot of freedom to necessarily do whatever I wanted. But now that Jonathan and I are, you know, we're 50, 50 in parenting, I'd say he's probably carrying like 65 to 70% of the financial, I don't want to call it burden because it's not, you know, but the financial nut. And I have now had the opportunity to really think about, okay, really, who am I as a mother? What is the most authentic way that I can parent? And what is the most authentic way that I can be in my work? What is the most authentic way I can be with my spiritual practice? And what is the most authentic way I can take care of my body? Because again, we have all these elements. We have all of these parts as a woman that we need to tend to. And so I felt like I just, because I wasn't in survival mode anymore, I was able to get out of survival mode because Jonathan now was making money. I had the space to really sit with, who am I? Because we need to, our, because we're, when we're in survival mode, you know, our brain is just going, 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 and we can't drop into our intuition, which is a very different voice. So because I had the space to do that, I realized I love my work so much. And I love meeting with women in person. I love having this membership and I feel really passionate about talking about this new way of doing things and creating a community of women to come together to support each other. And I also really love doing certain specific things with my kids. And I was able to let a lot go of all the things I thought I was supposed to do as a mom. And we were also able at the same time to get more support with the house. That didn't happen right away. And that's something that I realized that I really wanted. And so that's a big part of where my paycheck goes to is just having more support around the house. So it just allowed me to get really clear on what my most authentic expression is in my life. What are some of those things that you thought you should be doing as a mother that you let go of? Yeah. So like I thought that I should be picking up my kids from school at three o'clock every day. And I should be teaching them how to make their beds or clean up the playroom. Like I'm not great with the cleaning stuff. (laughs) I, you know, I was constantly calculating how many hours they were with me versus how many hours they were at daycare. I did that. Every day calculating. Terrible. So much math. I'm going to stop doing that. Yeah. Really? I don't actually add it up, but in my head, like, for example, we're picking up Ruby today early. Mm-hmm. So today, like, she's being really vulnerable right now. <laughs> Tell the truth. I do not so, know. So, like, today I feel like, oh, I'm a, I'm a good mom today because Ruby's only going to be a date here from 8 to 2 as opposed yeah. to 8 to 4.30. Yeah. That's, I used to do that all the time. And then, so I was constantly focusing on the things I wasn't doing. Like I wasn't spending a lot of time with my kids. What I was saying was a lot of time with my kids. I wasn't reading to them enough. I wasn't teaching them how to tie their shoes. I, you know, I don't know, the list went on and on. And so then I switched to what is actually fun for me to do with my kids? What's in my joy? How do I want to parent? Because I was constantly thinking about what my kids needed from me. And that paradigm made me feel like I was in jail. 
because I was constantly trying to figure out what they needed and they don't even really speak in complete sentences, you know, <laughs> they, they do changes all the time. And we were just in conflict all the time. And so you and your children, me and my children. Yeah. And so, and I just hate, like I would, my alarm would go off in the morning and I would dread the two hours before I brought them to daycare. And I would, you know, I'd say I'd pick them up at four, turn into like four ten, four fifteen, four thirty five. I just would dread having them at home. And then I switched to, okay, what do I love to do? I love to sing, I love to bake, and I love to do magic. So now that's really what we do 100% of the time around here. And it's so great. So often when they come home from school, we'll do a baking project or we'll go look around the woods for fairies or we'll make moon water if it's a full moon. And we do a lot of singing. And of course, there's like the normal mom stuff. But it doesn't get to me so much anymore because I'm enjoying myself with my kids and it makes such a difference. It's just so wild when we understand, cause we don't even hear all the shoulds and all the rules and all the ways moms are supposed to do the same thing. But when I really tuned into how I want to do it and when I'm having fun, everything gets better. And my son Marshall, who's now four and a half, was a really tough baby and wouldn't sleep. He was up every hour for like two years. And we were having a lot of issues bonding, lots of screaming, major tantrums, highly sensitive. And we ended up going to therapy together for six months, which was so insanely helpful. And the big thing the therapist worked with me, I was, it was really for me. It was not for Marshall. <laughs> you know, she just kept asking me, you know, how are you meant to mother? You know, Let's tune into your intuition. Let's think about how you are meant to do things because Marshall chose you. So you have to really show up as yourself, not somebody else. He, he didn't choose another mother. And the big thing that I had to get that, that my kids didn't choose my mother to be their mother because I really put my mom on a pedestal because she was an amazing mom. And I was always trying to be like her but I had to really find how I was meant to do something. Yeah. What about, I'm sure this comes up in your membership from time to time, women who feel like, you know, because as entrepreneurs, you and I have a lot more flexibility. Uh -huh. We do actually have a lot of choices, even though sometimes we don't feel like we have choices. Yes. Right. And, and we do come from privilege and there mm -hmm. is like that element. So I'm just curious, like, how do you navigate, how do you work with women where they don't have as many actual choices in terms of how they spend their time, how they spend resources and like, where can they go within mm -hmm. or without to get the same sort of relief? Really? Yeah, absolutely. So we do talk about this all the time. And the first thing I start with is that you have to have a vision of what you actually want it to be like someday. Because I find that often what will happen is we're so focused on what we don't have that we have no idea what we want. And then we can't make educated decisions about the very small things that we can do in the present moment. So for example, I always say to women, you know, 
if you want to be an entrepreneur, even if it's in 25 years, let's put that out there and start making a plan yeah. you know, about how to make that happen. Cause it doesn't, things don't have to happen so quickly. People often think that if they have a vision, it, it has to happen within the year. And I really believe that we can have a 20 year vision. So I think that's the first thing that's really important. And then we can get excited about something. And when we bring hope and excitement into something, we have more energy to tend to what's right in front of us in the moment. We also, then when we have a vision, we can have a filter about what we actually desire in the moment. Because what I also hear a lot is women say, I don't even know what I want. Mm -hmm. And it's usually because our life that we're in right now feels so far away from the life that our soul is desiring and know is possible for us. So we just end up shutting down that place that understands joy and desire. So that's, I also feel like the vision opens that up. So in a vision, if we can see, you know, oh, I really, I want to have space to do some things on my own, but right now I have to be with my kids all the time because we can't afford childcare and my husband's job just makes more money than me. And we don't have the runway to, you know, to get more money in. And this is just the way it's going to be for a long time. And, but if you know, you need to have a little time, maybe it is doing a kid trade with a friend. So you just have an hour a week to sit on the couch and read a book. And maybe you didn't know that if you hadn't done the vision, or maybe it is, I just had, I just had a woman at home and do this where she had a really vulnerable conversation with her parents who weren't being very helpful with her kids. And she, what she wanted more than anything was a weekend away with her husband. And, but she just felt like she couldn't do it. She couldn't afford to have someone watch the kids. Her parents never would watch the kids, but I really encouraged her to reach out and have a conversation with her parents. And what her parents said was, we would love to watch your kids, but we don't feel like you think that we're going to do a good job. Oh, <laughs> Right. Yeah. Like we're just, we don't want to mess it up. Right. And, and she was able to say, no, like I, I really love the way that you will be with them. And these are the few things that are really important to me. And underneath that, the parents just felt like they had messed her up. And so there was so much cleared. And so it's just amazing when we go beyond this idea of I can't or it's just not an option and really push us a little bit further. There's so much healing and there's so much opening. And I also say, this is a lot of stuff and I know you talk about this in origin too. The amount of things that women do that they don't want to do blows my mind. <laughs> it completely blows my mind. Like if you add up like all the hundred 10 minute tasks where we say, Oh, it's just easier for me to do it. It is a part-time job. It is 18 and a half hours or 17 and a half hours of doing all the random 10 minute tasks and we don't have to hire it out. We just have to not do it. Like have a messy house. Don't join the PTA, you know, don't do play dates. Don't throw your daughter a birthday party. Don't go to the birthday party. Just don't do it. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and like when we just don't do stuff, all of a sudden we have like 10 hours a week to chill. And it's so nice. And we end up saving a bunch of money, you know? Yes. Doing like, less is a great money saver. It's a great money saver. And, but then here's the key. This is, this is why I love Whole Woman so much is because 
we work through the reasons why we feel like we have to do it in the first place. And that all goes back to the brainwashing and the worth and the same as equal safety and this drive to be accepted that is more powerful than the drive to be authentic. Because that drive is always going to be there, but it's just our voice and our desire to be ourselves has to be louder than the other voice that's saying, just fit in. Everyone else is doing it. Like, just keep going. Everything will be fine. Someday you'll have a break, you know, and you just don't. You got to take it. Yeah. I love that. Don't go to birthday parties. I, I just like so good. Um, <laughs> how, so I'm going to speak from, you know, inside of your group as well and working with these women, because you've worked with a lot with women on very emotional topics for mm-hmm. a number of years now. So as a, I'm going to speak straight to like heterosexual relationships with straight yeah. in this type of, but this can probably go correlate to like all sorts of partnerships. How is it that, what are the challenges that you find when women are kind of, let's say they want to stop going to birthday party, like really starting to find who that really their voice, right? Yeah. In this. And then what kind of support can, like, what's, how's it helpful to get across to the other person, right? Like right. myself as a man, if you're working with Kate and she has something that she wants to change, but like you, there's other people that's there that also affect this dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a couple different there's a couple different things that usually happen. One thing I often get is some sort of version of if I actually tell my husband what I want to do, he will leave me. I I hear that a lot and it's so sad or he won't support it or if we have, if there are women who have the money to invest in doing something that they want to do to support them becoming themselves or doing different work in the world, like he'll never agree to it. Like, this is what I hear a lot. And what I often say is, how do you know that? And they don't really have an answer. And then they realize like, oh, that's just how they think about themselves. That's just their inner voice that they're projecting on their partner. And I find that when they start to have confidence that they deserve to be who they are in life, which does affect the family unit, they have an easier time talking to their partner. And like, we call it like coming out of the broom closet because it's mostly dealing around women who are coming out as more spiritual people. So that's one thing that often happens is understanding that our partners are a mirror. And once we get confident, the conversation is easier. The other thing to remember is that oftentimes we will say to our partner, so guess what? I'm actually this person. And we expect them to just have no questions and just say, that's great. Awesome. Wonderful. (laughs) And then like, let's say they have a question. We're pissed. We're like, you're challenging me. You don't believe in me. And it's just like, no, like you've known this for probably what, like three years and I'm just hearing it up today. So I just have some questions about it, you know, like totally normal. So I think we have to be just really understanding that this could be a 180 for them. And just because they have questions doesn't mean they're saying, I don't accept you because it does change the family unit. So a lot of things that I see in whole women a lot are women are at home full time 
and men are at work full time. And there's this very clear delineation of roles. And what can often happen is that the woman ends up doing a lot of stuff she doesn't want to do. And so she opens up this conversation and all of a sudden the partner is looking at, okay, I now have to do a lot of stuff that I don't want to do either. And there you have a conflict that you have to work out. And, but I think it's so important to understand that when we do change, it does affect the dynamic, as you mentioned, Mike. And then we, we just have to get strategic and it can't be about either I can be myself or you can be yourself, but not both. And Jonathan and I got into this dynamic, but the opposite. And so I know that this is possible because I was the one who was the main breadwinner and I was the primary parent. And Jonathan was rushing around, basically filling in any gap he could. It wasn't in his joy to be doing it. And he just was like constantly sort of apologizing for not making money by just doing so much stuff around the house that he didn't want to do. And he finally realized, he's like, I feel like I can't be who I am because you need to be who you are and I need to be here to support you. And we finally did the work in therapy to realize that we need to both be ourselves and we need to have a system in place that supports both of us. And it's just a really different like visual, you know what I mean? Of like all ships rising as opposed to one person supporting the other all the time. Did I answer your question, Mike? You did. Okay. I wanted to make sure. No, and I, that example is fantastic because I know, because just as women are doing it, I guarantee there's dads or partners in relationships that are, I know them for myself, right? And that don't, are doing things that they don't want to be doing. Yeah. And so Jonathan felt so bad asking, you know, for like telling me, I really need you to do the dishes during the day. But I didn't know, like it was, we had an agreement at one point that he was just the dishes guy. Because I just, I couldn't deal with it. And it was something he could do when he got home at 10 o'clock at night, was do all my dishes. And then we had to upgrade that agreement. It didn't work for him upgrade as yeah, like All the time. You have to re-upgrade like new yeah. seasons, you know, yeah. new baby, yeah. new jobs, yeah. new whatever. Exactly. You got to redo the agreement. Yeah. There's and I, I want to say one, I want to say one thing that I forgot to say because it's super important is for a while I was saying to Jonathan, I want to be the primary parent. Because that was like part of the brainwashing that was happening. And then I had to, I had to be like, you know what? I really want to split this down the middle. You know, I love dropping them off at school and I love picking them up, but I need to feel like in general, it's even. So that means you're on way more when at night or on the weekends. And that wasn't what Jonathan grew up with. And he didn't, you know, it was like, we had, he had to sort of like rewire some things, but then when he's in there, when he thinks about it, he's like, this is such a gift. I love being the person that the kids run to when they're hurt. You know, I love being the parent who is just so in there with them and they want to talk about their day and they want to talk about their feelings and it's not just all about mom. And so me asking for what I needed actually triggered Jonathan to get what he needed too. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think is so important. Like when you're in a family unit and you're meant to be together, it's a system that like goes into equilibrium. So the more I am standing for what I want 
it turns out the more Jonathan is able to have what he wants to. And I just so happen to be the person that's like more shaking things up all the time. You know what I mean? But um, (laughs) it it evens out, you know, it's like, I was really determined to have a home birth with Marshall and Jonathan's a physician that was uncomfortable for him. But through that process, he realized about how emotional medicine is. You know, he thought birth was like the most medical thing you can do. And he realized like, oh, there's this whole spiritual emotional component. And so now he does spiritual emotional work in urology. And he probably would have gotten to it eventually because it's in his truth. It's in his being, but it's like, I had to light the match. And that's like sort of what happens with us a lot. He's like, oh man, you really, Sarah, (laughs) did it again, you know? And he really challenges me to like do the dishes and it feels good for me to actually contribute to the house. You know what I mean? I'm like making my freaking bet, you know? So, so funny. it goes both ways. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for giving us such practical real life examples because it's, I, I do, you know, I love write, reading your emails. Oh, thanks. And, what I love about the way you write is how honest you are. And almost, I mean, at least 50 to 60% of your emails make me cry Mm. because they're just like, you just put your heart out there and it's like, well, this is what I'm going through. And the truth is, even though we are all so different, there's some universality in everything that you're sharing when you share that much of the truth. Thank you. So thank you for that. If people want to know more about what you're doing, where should they go to find you? So I think the best place to go is to wholewoman.me. And that will... That's W-H-O-L-E, right? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Not whole on the ground. Not whole. But whole, we are complete. Yeah, You should probably buy that domain too, just in case somebody... Yeah, I I should. That's a good idea. Thank you. That's why I have you. So... Wholewoman.me, not only will you learn about the program, but the sales page is really like a great education just on how we're brainwashed. And Mm. it's like a big old permission slip to be you. And then if you feel like you also want to be with other women who are really working on being themselves too, then it's a great program to join. It's just monthly. You know, you can come and go as you please. No big deal. It's just fun. It's just a great, you know, it's what I spend 80% of my time doing. So it's just feels like my fun little cozy group. That's not so little, but it's, it's fun and cozy. That's awesome. That's great. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me guys. So Sarah. We love you. (laughs) Ever feel like you're constantly doing things, but aren't able to carve out the time or energy for the things that really matter to you. Mike and I want to share our top five tools for making a life, not just a living. To learn what they are, go to katenorthrup.com forward slash tools. See you on the next episode.